w- once you establish that you have something that's working, there will be someone ready to take that away from you tomorrow. You're listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show, where business leaders and health experts give insight while you take a break from the daily grind. Your host, Joey Price, is an entrepreneur with over a decade of startup experience and CEO of the managed HR services firm Jumpstart HR. Want to join the conversation or have an idea for the show? Tweet us at BizLifeCoffee or Joey directly at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLCMoments. Want more episodes? Head on over to iTunes to subscribe. Business, life, and coffee, personal development for busy professionals. Now let's get to the show. Have you ever wondered if you have the right people on the bus? Have you wondered if you had the team that's going to help you be successful in the next month, in the next year? Are you poised to evaluate your team so that you can know if you're going to go into the new year with a bang? Joining me on the podcast is Adam Robinson, and he is the co-founder and CEO of Hireology, number 94 on the Inc. 500 list, by the way, where his mission is to help business owners make better hiring decisions using predictive data and innovative technology. He's also the author of The Best Team Wins, Build Your Business Through Predictive Hiring. Adam, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Now, Adam, tell us the number one thing listeners need to know about putting together the best team possible. Well, there are three things, I think, that business owners and entrepreneurs need to think about if they want to be good at the people side of their business. The, the first thing they need to do is declare their intention to do it. They have to decide to do it. And it sounds straightforward, but declaring your intention to be good at the people side of your business is deciding that you're going to leverage it as a competitive resource, as a source of sustainable competitive advantage in whatever market you serve. And when you decide to use people as a strategic weapon in your market, it, it compels you to treat the hiring, retention, uh, and people processes in your business like a core and critical part of the business, just like sales, just like marketing, just like operations, just like finance. Most entrepreneurs wait far too long to treat it that way. So that's the first thing. Decide to do it. Second, you have to implement systems in order to execute against that intention. So deciding to do it isn't enough. You actually have to do something about it. So there are uh, a, a scalable, repeatable process for reliably picking the right people over time is critical. And then third, you have to manage it. Someone in your organization has to be accountable for delivering a great result for the people side of your business. It could be an HR leader. If you're a, a small shop and you're still the entrepreneur doing everything, you have to yourself be accountable for it. You've got to, you've got to measure it. You have to manage it. You have to own it. For an entrepreneur that's just starting out, what are some of the responsibilities that, that tie into managing on delivering good results for hiring the right people? Good hiring results begin with your employment brand. So if you think about the concept of a brand, you'll you know that brand is what your market thinks of you as the seller uh, of products or services. So I think of Apple, I have a certain vision of, of what Apple stands for. Your employment brand is simply what your labor market thinks of you. So when I think of your organization as a potential em- employee, what comes to mind? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it neutral? And 
culture done right, employment brand done right, is like a bar magnet. And it simultaneously repels the things that don't fit and attracts the things that do. I'm an advocate for culture being polarizing. And I don't mean in in a negative or political way. I mean polarizing in that if I spend 10 minutes inside your business, if I don't know that it's a good or a bad fit based on the feel I get, you're not doing it right. You really have, it has to be binary. I either feel good or I feel like, no, this isn't for me. So employment brand is the number one thing people need to focus on. And it's also, by the way, the thing you have complete control over. So being great at hiring starts with branding. And branding is all about knowing who your target market is. So you have to ask yourself, right, am I treating my job opportunities like products that I'm marketing to a market? And if I'm marketing my product, I need to know who my target consumer is. I need to know what my unique selling proposition is. What, what is it about my opportunity, my product, that's going to compel the right people to want to buy it? Uh, certainly part of that is career path. Part of that is the comp plan. And part of that is what I'll just call the balanced life factor. Can I live the life I want to live? All three of those things contribute to brand. And that's the very first thing that companies can do. And by the way, if you're a solopreneur, you can do that too. Your employment brand is your opportunity to sell what's unique. If you're a growth stage, larger startup, you can sell the, the, the traction. If you're, the, you're hiring your very first salesperson, you can sell the opportunity, but you have to sell something. Adam Robinson, co-founder and CEO of Hireology here on the Business Life and Coffee podcast. Adam, you just laid out a fantastic blueprint for an entrepreneur who wants to define their culture. But what happens if you have a culture and you want to shift it from what it is to something more aspirational? What should you do then? So if I'm understanding the question right, it's I don't I'm the entrepreneur. I don't like the culture I have. I want to shift it to be more aspirational or let's say say it this way. I have culture by default, not culture by design. I want to design and grow into the culture that I envision. Exactly. Step one, step one is define what that looks like. I would encourage listeners who aspire to a different culture to spend a day locked away somewhere with the turn the computer off, put your phone away, distraction free, put pen to paper and write what your company culture looks like and feels like three years from now. Write it out. What, when you walk in the office, what does it look like? What are people doing? What time of day is it? When are people going and coming? Uh, what's the feel? How are people interacting with one another? What are they wearing? Right? What kind of things are happening after work? Are there extracurricular activities? Is, is the company sponsoring sporting events or volunteer events? I mean, get down to it. What does it look like to work at the organization? And define those things. And then take a step back and look, where are the gaps between what I want to be happening and what's happening now? And, you know, a couple of the, the culprits I always see when I talk to other CEOs about this is, Boy, I want more engagement from my people. I, I envision a high engagement culture, and what I don't have right now is high engagement. I, I have 
mediocre engagement or people who are just coming in and trading their time for my money, right? It's just they're coming in and doing the minimum. How do I drive engagement? That's, that's a whole other podcast. But I will tell you the secret, the secret to driving engagement, and I write and talk about this frequently, is, is, is transparency and goal setting. Those are the things that you have to have. You have to have shared goals and you have to have transparency. Commitment comes from a shared goal and transparency um, into the progress and how things are going. But, but engagement starts with those things. But there's a, that, that's the blueprint. Start, you know, number one, build, build what it looks like and then identify the gaps. Thanks, Adam. That's excellent advice. And it's not just advice from someone who talks the talk, but you've actually walked it as well, growing Hyrology from $0 to being a $9 million company. What are some of the hard lessons that you've learned along the way that you now write about and, and tell others? Well, so, you know, that $9 million number, that was our, our published number in Inc. last year. You know, we'll nearly double that again this year. And, you know, I say that because the, the challenge is now as we approach a $20 million run rate is that every six months I'm running a completely different business. So, the, you know, a, a $5 million business and a $10 million business are completely different companies. A $10 million business and a $20 million business, again, are completely different companies. They're different because what's required at the leadership team level to, to manage and scale the operation at those revenue points are vastly different. And some people can make the leap. Most cannot. And what you find is that the team you have at five is not the team you need at 20. And the, you know, as in the Ben Horowitz book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things, the hardest thing, the hardest thing to do is to look your friend in the eye and say, hey, man, this just isn't working. You're not the guy anymore. Uh, You know, I'm sorry, but you're, you know, this just isn't work. Or, you know, saying, hey, listen, you, you can be a great individual contributor, um, but, but, but he or she needs to be somewhere else. The, the, that's the toughest challenge, I think, of just the, the being honest with people about their ability to contribute as the company scales. Yeah. Uh, but it's necessary. If you don't do it, you will, you will flatline. Your, your growth will flatline. And if you aspire to be a high-growth business, build a big business, um, you're going to have to change your team out every 6 to 18 months. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, so many businesses... They run and then they hit that five-year mark and then they plateau. And without any new innovation, without any new voices, without any fresh ideas, or even new ways and, and skill sets to approach things, they can, they can often fall by the wayside because there's a new company or a company that's, that's gotten it, uh, and it and takes up their market share. That's right. But someone is, once you establish that you have something that's working, there will be someone ready to take that away from you tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, and so how have you been able to inspire and empower your team uh, to maintain and grow your position? It starts with goal setting. I think you, you have to paint a picture similar to the culture, the, paint a picture of what the business looks like three years out with, with you know, a mind on what, what's the really big 10-year-plus opportunity let's all agree that it's big and then okay what does three years look like all right what does this year look like okay what does this quarter look like and 
let's let's keep an eye on the prize down the road, but let's be honest about where we are today. What things do we need to do this year in order to move the ball forward? And what are we focusing on this quarter in order to make that year happen? It, it, it's got to be broken down like that. And people have to know every day when they walk into the office, what am I going to do today to move the business forward at the leadership team level? Right? What, what Am I focused on the few most important things that our team agrees are the things that will move this business forward? If you're not by the way, then say no to literally everything else that comes up over the course of the quarter or year because those are shiny, distracting objects that may prove fruitful, but why did we spend two days off-site deciding that these are the five most important things if we're willing to chase anything that comes across our desk uh, next year? To just say no and keep moving forward. And I think that's been the secret of hierologies. We say no to almost everything. We say yes to the few most important things, and then we stick with it until we realize it's not working or we made a bad decision, which occasionally happens. Yeah. And, and through the results of your efforts and goal setting, I mean, you, uh, you've, your accolades are incredible. Top 25 HR industry game changer under 40. Uh, Entrepreneur Magazine rates your company as, as one having top company culture. Uh, you've been listed as the best places to work for both millennials and Gen Xers. You guys are really crushing it. Oh, thanks. I think those those accolades are are they're fun to receive, and they're 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 important for the team because it you know it, it tells them that what they're doing is working and that they're an important part of the organization. But the biggest impact of those awards is on our recruiting efforts, because what I know about today's job seeker is they are going to their 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 search browser on their phone. And they're typing best places to work in Chicago. And if we don't show up on those lists, we're dead. Mm-hmm. Someone else will have first crack at the best talent in the market, and we can't let that happen. So the reason those awards matter, it, it feels good, but the actual business benefit is that it, it really juices our recruiting effort. Yeah. People want to be affiliated with winners, and people want to be affiliated with, with organizations where they feel like they're going to belong and, and contribute. It, it's almost like... It's almost like purchasing a stock. Like you want something that's that's on the uptick, uh, and and so people want to associate themselves with with fast moving companies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, you know segue into the hiring and the recruiting processes here. Why is predictive data so important in the hiring process? So think of hiring like car insurance. So. You know, State Farm or Allstate or Geico or Progressive, they, they don't need to meet you in person to know that if you have a 16-year-old driver in your house and a sports car sitting in the garage and your significant other has had five accidents, you're probably going to cost them some money. You're, <laughs> you're, just, you're just not a great customer to have. Yeah. And there's, a, there's a reason also why FICO scores work. It turns out your prior borrowing history and payment history is highly predictive of your future propensity to pay. And there's a reason Moneyball works in sports, because your ability to accomplish certain stats uh, on the front end is predictive of your value as a player on, uh, in the future, and you can make decisions about who's under or overvalued based on that. These things work in insurance, it works in finance, it works in sports, and it works in hiring. I mean, if you, you're essentially underwriting risk. So if I know what the outcome is I'm trying to predict, right, sell half a million dollars of new business, there are certain factors on the front end that I can measure 
to tell me whether or not that outcome is likely to happen, more or less likely. And what I want to do as the leader or the hiring manager is hire people uh, whose risk of failure is as low as possible. And there are all kinds of factors involved with that, which I talk pretty extensively about in my book, The Best Team Wins. Uh, but you know, the, the short version is, over the long run, you think of hiring as a big expected value equation. My expected value of the people I hire is much higher when my failure rate is lower. So if I can go from getting the hiring decision right five times out of 10, which is the average for a small business, and be six or seven times out of 10 with the right hiring decision, but I just improve my operating results by 40%. Well, what does that do to my business? Well, gosh, that has, I mean, show me a, show me a team that's executing well with C players on it. It just, or no. B minus players, right? So going from B to A players changes the game. And I think there's no better use of the entrepreneur's time at any stage in their early growth than making sure the right people are in the right seats. So really quickly here, and again, we're joined by Adam Robinson, who is the CEO and co-founder of Hireology, also the author of the book, The Best Team Wins, Build Your Business Through Predictive Hiring. Adam, I, I see it all the time. I see business owners and entrepreneurs not taking hiring successfully and then wondering why they have a, you know, a crap output or they're not hitting their goals, not hitting their numbers. What's the, uh, what's the, the scared straight motto or the scared straight message that you would tell an entrepreneur if he was looking you dead in the eye and saying, hey, Adam, I don't believe this. Your numbers, is, it's kooky. Um, why does this work? Why do I need to pay attention? I'll say it two different ways. Do you want to spend a couple hours a week making sure you have the best team in your industry, or would you rather spend 75% of your time popping aspirin and dealing with headaches caused by having the wrong people in place? Where do you want to spend your time? Yeah. What quality of life do you want to have as an entrepreneur? Do you want to be having fun? And then I would pay attention to this. And then second, I would ask this question, and I asked a version of it earlier. Do you want access to the best talent in your market? Or do you want to be relegated to hiring the people your biggest competitor decided weren't good enough for them? It's, it's a zero-sum game. Someone's going to get the best people in the business. Do you want those best people, or do you want to be stuck hiring what's left? That's a pretty sobering thought. That is so true. And when you think about you know CEOs getting together and you know, going out for drinks or going out for a retreat or just hanging out, I can assure you, based on circles that I've, that I've run in, that the, one of the biggest challenges that people have, it's not defining market. It's not, uh, oh, you know, where will our product be in five years? Because people have figured that stuff out. The biggest challenge that I see people is, oh my gosh, I have this person that's not quite working out. What do I do? How do I prevent it the next time? Uh, you know, do we promote this person or that person? So many of those stressful aspirin-popping conversations have to do around talent. And what you're saying here is that that can be improved if you're just intentional about it. Just like any process in your company, hiring can be predictable and strategic. You just have to manage it. Yeah, and as we come to a close here, Adam, what would be, for an entrepreneur that's, that's listening and saying, okay, I've gotta get my stuff together, um, how can Hireology help? And what are some of, what's the first immediate step that a person should take? 
Number one, decide to do it. Very first thing you should do is say, we're going to be good at this. Paint that picture of what the future looks like. Identify the gaps that are keeping you from getting there. And, And starting the very next quarter, prioritize one or two of those things on that list of gaps and knock them out. Right, it's probably going to have to do with your employment brand and how you market yourself online. There are lots of examples. Just browse the web for best places to work companies. Look at how they are marketing themselves and start to emulate the things you really like. There, it, there is a science to re, to recruitment marketing and employment branding. You can you can teach it to yourself, but the good news is it's probably not far off from how you're marketing your business. You already know how to do this stuff. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Adam, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. How can our listeners contact you or Hireology to learn more and just to read up on your thoughts and and where you feel hiring is going? You can uh, check out my, um, certainly the the book, uh, my related podcast and, you know, where I write what what I'm thinking about uh, at www.thebestteamwins.com. More on Hireology, which is our tool for managing all of this stuff at uh, Hireology.com. Adam, thanks for joining and wish you continued success. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show with Joey Price. We hope you're inspired to become the best version of yourself after listening to our guest. What thought or idea stood out the most to you? Keep the conversation going by tweeting the show at BizLifeCoffee or our host at JoeyVPriceHR with the hashtag BLCMoments. And if you like what you just heard, pass along our podcast to at least five people. Detailed show notes can be found at www.businesslifeandcoffee.com. And our full archive is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. This has been a Jumpstart HR production. Join us next time for another edition of the Business Life and Coffee Show. If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at? only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems. Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at JumpstartHR. Jumpstart HR. Let's build a better business together.